Welcome to the Human and Technology Podcast. This podcast is for anyone who develops, distributes or uses technology. For all those who always have the feeling that technology overwhelms or dominates them. For everyone who wants to know how to deal with technology in everyday life. For anyone who wants to understand what technology does to us and how we can get our lives back. This podcast is for those who want to make technology sexy. All the product developers, designers, UX, UI professionals, product managers, CTOs and CEOs. And it is for you. My name is Dr. Peter Reska. My friends call me Dr. Peter. I am your host and I am happy that you are here. This episode of the Human Technology Podcast is one more episode about megatrends. I have talked a few times in different uh, occasions on the different aspects about these megatrends. And I had two triggers why... I am talking about megatrends again today. One is that last Friday I had a keynote at a company. It was a company event in Bavaria. And um, they asked me to talk about the big trends that are coming, the technology trends, the uh, HMI, human machine interface trends. They asked me to, to have a keynote on all these and the other trigger was a magazine i received from the german zukunftsinstitut future institute it is a mobility report uh, which is about the future of mobility and i will definitely make a podcast episode in the next weeks about uh, the thoughts that are in there i only had a quick run through this And uh, it is uh, super interesting, totally different kind of thinking. But what I wanted to talk about is that this Zukunftsinstitut, they have a megatrend map. And I'm using a lot from them, including this megatrend map. It looks a bit like uh, the London Underground map. It's a network of lines, of colored lines. And uh, the train lines, they are the main trends, the major trends, the real mega big trends. And the single stations, uh, they're the sub-trends. And there are crossings between these lines, common train stations. So uh, maybe one of the big trends is uh, silver aging, And another one is urbanization. And these two cross. And then there is um, uh, urbanized living for elderly. Um, so uh, you have to imagine it's uh, like this. Very nice overview. I think you can download it uh, for free. Um, but uh, I think it's all in German. So yeah, you may check that out. Uh, but uh, it's a very, very good tool that... Uh, I use in my clients' projects to communicate about megatrends. Up front, a definition of megatrends. What are megatrends? 
Um, they are very slow trends, but they have unbelievable power. They work on all levels of societies and they influence companies, institutions, politics, individuals. So all, all levels of society are matched or are uh, hit by these megatrends. And that's why these megatrends are not only for research projects, but also an excellent ground to stand on, an excellent basis for decision-making in economy, politics, and even for yourself, for uh, your personal life. Megatrends name and describe extremely complex changes. And as I said, these changes may be very slow, hardly visible on a day-by-day -day basis, but uh, they have this enormous influence and, and they are a model, a descriptional model for the changes we see in the world. And they are a tool that supports us in understanding the highly complex and um, differentiated dynamics, dynamic processes, change processes, dynamic change process we have in the society of the 21st century. And it was also in, in the late 20th century, but uh, since these dynamics get more complex, the more complexity we have in the world in general, um, yeah, it is important to, to reduce them to a level that we can understand and we can handle with. And so you can see them as some kind of navigation aid uh, in the jungle of present and future dynamics of change. So four things are typical for megatrends, they have a long duration. So it's not just like, oh, there's a trend of this music or uh, this year's trend in blue jeans is uh, this and that. And it's not like this. This is not a megatrend. So megatrend uh, lasts a few years or up to, to decades or maybe even a century. So that this is the, the time frame we are talking about here. Usually it's a few decades that uh, megatrends last. They're ubiquitous, they're everywhere. So they show impact or they have an impact in all social areas, in uh, the economy, in our personal consumption behavior, in the values we have, in the way humans uh, live with each other, in media, in a political system, in companies, and so on and so on. Megatrends are usually global, so they're global phenomenons. Um, they may not show up at the same time on every location on this globe, and they may not be as strong as they are in one uh, region and another region. But sooner or later, they are everywhere on the globe. For example, aging society, 
that uh, is something that uh, started in Japan, clearly, that is hitting uh, Europe and parts of the US at the moment, particularly in Europe. Germany, we have a clearly aging society. And in China, uh, it will hit the society in a few years because they had this one child policy over years and years. And so, yeah, they will be hit by aging society in an enormous amount. And there are other parts of the world where this is not that strong or will come up later. If you have a look at South America, Southeast Asia or Africa, um, there we do not have an aging society, but... Sooner or later, they will have it as well. And this is typical for a megatrend, so that they're global. They're everywhere, although not fully synchronized. And some parts of the world may be uh, influenced more by a certain megatrend than others, but uh, they are, see them as global. And that's the fourth point. Megatrends are complex. They are multidimensional. They are multilayered. Um, they have a certain dynamics and with that an um, evolutionary pressure. Let's put it that way. They, they have an evolutionary pressure, um, particularly because they interact with each other. So it's not a single thing, but it is a complex, multi-layer, interactive phenomenon. All right, so we have this... Um, definition of megatrends um, they're long-lasting they're ubiquitous they're global and they are complex and i have selected three megatrends that i would like to talk about uh, the one is digitalization and connectivity the second is artificial intelligence and the third is human-centric and value creation those are the ones that I uh, have selected for today. And uh, those are the ones also that at the moment uh, I think uh, are, pro are most prominent and most influential in my daily working life. There are slight changes in that. There are, that's why I find it absolutely worthwhile to talk about the megatrends every now and then and, and continuously and over and over again. Uh, the general trends, the big trends, they remain, but they change the importance and they have different influences in different times. And there is a lot of the uh, minor changes uh, that, that are super interesting and that are always worth uh, having a look at. So, digitalization, that's the first one. That is the number one buzzword in megatrends. No political speech, no... Uh, TV discussion, no show on the future of humanity, on the future of technology without digitalization. And if you have a closer look at it, uh, you will find out there is no real definition of what it is. Is it more thing that is in products? Is it more in uh, processes? Or is it more in persons? Not really clear. And when is something really digitalized? And the question here remains, and that is one that came up lately um, to me, is it important to have a, digit uh, a definition of digitalization? At the end, 
we will digitalize everything we can digitalize. Products, processes, persons, everything will be digitalized and to the maximum amount. So maybe we don't need a real definition, but just a common understanding of what it may be. In fact, here is what we see at the moment is the mechanics behind it's a mechanism. But the true consequences, they are not visible. So we understand the mechanical part of it, how they work and how they're implemented and what is done, what we don't understand, what digitalization means for our lives, our personal lives, our professional lives, the way we work, the way we make our money and also how, how the society works. And whenever there is someone believing that he or she understands what digitalization means for his or for her life. Sorry, guys, those are the persons that don't understand digitalization. Either they have no clue at all, or they just understand the mechanics behind it, but they don't understand the consequences that get out of this. And as always, in any kind of technological development, I am fully aware that there is a lot of benefits behind this. We can gain a lot from this unknown services, things we cannot imagine today, but also there is a strong danger that uh, we have. So if we have a fully connected society, fully digitalized with ubiquitous data and everything is there, then it may be very easy to control us and to control and to steer the society and this is not science fiction have a have a look at china where you have the social scores and if you cross the street on a red light if you do not call your parents regularly if you eat unhealthy food regularly then your social score is lowered and maybe one day you will not get a train ticket or an airplane ticket or you will not get a, a mortgage anymore. So, yeah, um, that, that, is, that is serious. And, and those are the negative consequences we have in this. And closely connected with this digital, digitalization, digitalization is connectivity. And here we talk about the Internet of Things. So things are part of the Internet and... Of course, I'm talking to my microphone here, which is connected to my MacBook, and that is connected to the Internet. That is obvious. That is not not, not the big thing. But uh, in a few years, maybe my coffee cup or my, my water bottle is connected to the Internet. So that my health insurance knows what am I consuming, what, uh, how much coffee do I drink, do I drink enough water. So that can be, um, yeah, that, that, is, that is part of the future that we will face. Everything, every object, every living being, every animal, every human will have an internet connection. And everything is connected with everything. And again, we will have new services. We will have new views on, on uh, other humans, on activities, on, on objects. And also it will cause new problems. And the exact way of how it will be done, digitalization and connectivity the consequences, the benefits, the threats, 
that becomes visible today and will be even more in our awareness in the future. And also with, with, with uh, connected with digitalization and connectivity is ubiquitous data. Um, we will have data available at any point in time, at any location. So with any device we're having, we can get access to all kinds of databases. So I can access um, a database like, let's say, Wikipedia from my smartphone and from my desktop PC and maybe one day from, from my car PC. Um, and all this information is available at any point in time anywhere. And at the very end, we will be dressed in data. We will be surrounded of data. We will produce data. We will distribute data and we consume data. And we are doing this already. If you have a look at your smartphone, I mean, yeah, we're producing constant streams of data and we share them with the, with the uh, big tech in, in uh, Silicon Valley and we consume data on a constant basis. And that will grow. We as humans, and I'm pretty sure, I don't know whether I will see this, but my children will see this, um, that humans get an internet access. That uh, yeah, you can directly communicate, share data, consume data um, without a real device. All right, so that was the first mega trend: digitalization and connectivity. Let's move on to the second one, which is artificial intelligence. And there is a lot of uh, discussion going on these days on artificial intelligence. ChatGPT, um, all these uh, intelligent chatbots they are having. Um, and that's super crazy what's going on there. It's super interesting to see. Artificial intelligence was in the focus or is under discussion since many years. And in the beginning, it was like a good plot for, for a Hollywood blockbuster, for a Hollywood movie. They were basically... Now working with two things. One thing is the uncanny valley, the idea, hmm, am I talking to a human or a machine? Now, which of the people I see on the screen is human and which is a robot, an intelligent robot? And um, the other one is the so-called singularity, the idea that machines will take over one day. Machines will produce machines, uh, technology will produce technology, software will produce software. And we as humans, um, we are totally obsolete. We are not part of the game anymore. We sweep the floor and we mow the lawn. And by the way, the, the crazy thing here is, uh, the absurd thing is um, that the robots we have in our daily lives are uh, sweeping the floor and mowing the lawn, right? I mean, those are the things that we already have in, in our homes. But anyway, I don't see it that negative. I'm uh, very positive that we get it done. We need to do one thing. We need to consider one thing. We need to do it uh, consequently and strictly. What that is, I will tell you in a, in a few minutes. There are three things that are typical for uh, humans opposed to artificial intelligence. Those are empathy, intuition, and creativity. So empathy means that 
I reflect with my own feelings and emotions, the feelings and emotion of another human being. And this explains it all because a machine is not having feelings and emotions, not even an artificial intelligence. So I, I just don't believe in that. I mean, there are people that somehow believe that, but nope, I don't think it. It's bits and bytes that are pushed on a silicone chip and um, that's that's not emotions and feelings and of course when i have a bad day i can call a artificial intelligence a psychological help hotline and talk to that and, and ask tell them how bad my day was and then um, uh, this artificial intelligence uh, may reply oh there are others that have an even harder life than you have it and it's not that bad come on and then maybe oh there is no day without night and there is no hills without valleys and and so on and so on and so on. Um, but this is faked empathy. This is not real empathy. This is faked empathy. The second point, intuition. We as humans, we are pretty intuitive. Uh, we can, we can, we have this gut feeling, this belly feeling. And the crazy thing is we have about 100 billion neurons in our brains uh, and therefore, the conscious thinking and maybe parts of the unconscious uh, thinking. And then we have another 100 billion neurons in our bellies. And nobody really knows what they are for. And there's the idea that they are the ones that uh, trigger the intuition, that, that create intuition as we know it. We have about millions of, of information that, that comes onto our body, that is uh, percepted by our bodies uh, in every minute through our senses, the, the skin that we have, our eyes and ears. And 99% uh, of that is uh, identified as irrelevant and dropped already at the peripherals. So, there, yeah, for example, if, if I, I stand and, and while I'm talking, um, the uh, on my feet, the sensors, the weight sensors on my feet constantly fire. But if as long as everything is okay and and uh, everything is 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 good, um, this is not coming to my conscious minds. I mean, if I ram my toe into something or stab into a nail, then suddenly my focus is right there, and I can see and feel it exactly. But normally, um, that is dropped and. Yeah, so 99% of all information is dropped at the peripherals. Another 99% is dropped in the brain. It is moved to the unconscious part of the brain. And so 1% of 1% is arriving in the conscious parts of the brain. And all the rest is making intuition. That creates intuition. And the the idea I I don't have any any scientific uh, proof for that but the idea is that our the, the neurons in our body in our in our belly um, that they produce this intuition they take the entire picture and they uh, produce a very very yeah, blurred distorted or distorted unclear picture but they have the entire thing opposed to the conscious part of the brain that is super sharp, super focused, and there's all the details, but only on 1% of 1% of what is information around us. And again, this is something a, an artificial intelligence cannot do. In a digital world, information is there or it's not there. It's used or it's not used. But 
that it is somehow in some different way processed and transformed and nope. I mean, again, artificial intelligence may be brilliant in faking intuition, but it is uh, not intuitive in its core meaning. All right, and with a third point, I know that I am walking on thin ice and maybe in the future I will need to change this, but I believe that creativity, and I mean real creativity, will be and remain human, typical for humans. Now you may ask me, hey, uh, the 10th symphony of, of Beethoven was completed by an artificial intelligence or uh, there is a new Nirvana song out there and ChatGPT, uh, they, they can write poems and it can write uh, stories and can paint, can paint pictures and... Isn't, isn't that creativity? That is creativity. No, it's not creativity. Um, let's, let's take the example of uh, the Nirvana song. So what they did is, um, so to be a little more elaborated, uh, Nirvana is a grunge band out of the uh, 90s. They recorded two albums and then their band leader, Kurt Cobain, uh, committed suicide and entered uh, Club 27. He, uh, and then uh, somebody took an artificial intelligence and wrote a Nirvana song. And I heard that on the radio. And I thought, yes, it sounds like a Nirvana song. Uh, the guitars, the voice, um, the entire tone. And that was typical Nirvana. If Kurt Cobain had committed suicide five years earlier, so if he did not record the two records, the artificial intelligence would never been able to write this song, this exact song it has written based on, on the Nirvana uh, songs. What it did was it took all the Nirvana songs, all other grunge songs and some, some theory on rock music and put it all together, remashed it, merged it, and then it put out this song. And of course, some humans believe that they are creative when they do exactly the same. Take stuff that is existing and um, remix it and to put it out again. That's not what I mean with real creativity. Real creativity is the creation of something out of what seems to be nothing. Something totally new that has never been heard or read or seen before is turned into reality by using a human brain. And this is real creativity we're having here. And again, I don't think that artificial intelligence will do this. It can fake it. It can be very good in um, rearranging things and, and uh, faking creativity this way. But the real core creativity, as I see it, is, from my point of view, not possible. All right, let's move on to human-centric. This is also a trend, and I always say it's the creation of value. We need to create value with technology. So for me, engineering is not the science of what is possible. It is the science of what is useful. What are the things that make human lives better? Better may mean focused, safer, faster, more efficient, maybe just funnier. But technology needs to fulfill at least one of these points to be good and valuable technology. And when I look at 
many of these new so-called new devices that are out there come on guys we have reached the edge of value right i mean this is this is not really big steps forward anymore whether your new smartphone display has a few more pixels or uh, whether whether a new new car has uh, 250 horsepower instead of 220 horsepower, whether uh, a software package uh, with 10,000 features has 20 new features that nobody understands, nobody finds, and nobody will ever use. I mean, guys, this is not making a difference. This is not making the world a better place. This is a waste of time money effort thoughts focus all this is of zero value and this is what i mean with human centric when we have a new technology when there is something new out there then we shall think is this creating value or is this just a marketing driven new device and every trend has a counter trend. So if we talk about digitalization, if we talk about connectivity, about ubiquitous data, about digital everything everywhere, um, a trend comes up that uh, is very nicely pro uh, summarized by, by the statement, I miss my pre-internet brain. I mean, I have a pre-internet brain or I had a pre-internet brain because I was living in a world for the first 30 years of my life without the internet. But um, yeah, I think that indicates it pretty well. And so we have a growing need for analog communication and analog activities. And the growth is stronger the more uh, digitalization we have and the more we need this human-centric approach in our lives. Just two examples. So in, uh, in the US, I think in 2021 or 2022, I think it was 2021, for the first time, more vinyl records were sold than CDs. And this depends on the kind of music and then the market you're in. But uh, I lately read that 55% of all rock music, if it is not streamed, streaming is something different. But if you have a physical data carrier, a physical data device, then vinyl records are stronger than CDs. So the analog, good old black record is back. It has never been really dead, but it's on the way back. And the other example is Fender Guitars, an American company that builds guitars and amplifiers and effects. They had a peak in revenue during the first U.S. lockdown. So the people were locked in at home and I said, okay, since I can't go out anywhere, anyway, um, I will make some music. I will make some noise. And they could have done this with their computers. So I'm recording this here with GarageBand. Uh, and there's a lot of music in that. You can do that. But many, many people preferred to get a piece of wood with a couple of wires on top and a boxy amplifier with a speaker in it to make some real music and some real noise instead of pushing around bits and bytes. And those are examples for what I call the revenge of the analog, the return of the analog. 
And again, this is human centric and every trend creates a counter trend. So we will have these, this need for analog exchange communication, analog activities in the future. All right, that brings me to the end. Quick summary, I talked about megatrends, what they are and where they come from and how complex they are and what the typical components of a megatrend are. Then I had three of them selected that I find relevant for technology development. One is digitalization and connectivity. The second, artificial intelligence. And the third one is human-centric development and the creation of value. That's it for today. Thank you for spending time with me. I hope you were able to take something with you and do something for yourself that will be forever. For an ongoing exchange, you will find me on LinkedIn and on my websites, peter-rusker.com and beyond-hmi.de. Write me an email on the podcast at beyond-hmi.de. Tune in next time. Take care and stay healthy.